It's episode 430 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast, and today I welcome Hannah Eden. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this, how do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to episode number 430. I am super excited to welcome Hannah Eden to today's show. I'm always fascinated watching elite athletes, whether it's Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods just performing these incredible drives, 350 yards straight down the center of the fairway, or it's LeBron James, you know, shooting an immaculate three-pointer, or Tajay Pogacar, just a majestic attack on the hardest climbs in the world at the pivotal moments in bike races. But we only ever get to see the peak. We only ever get to see the tip of the iceberg. As spectators, as viewers, we never get to see what's below the surface. We never get to see the chunk of the iceberg that hides submerged below the waterline. The hard work, the dedication, the missed shots, the attacks that didn't work, the races we didn't finish. So that's why today's chat is such a fascinating one. I'm chatting with Hannah Eden, who has just built this incredible fitness brand over the last decade. But when we look at people like Hannah Eden, the temptation is to compare our chapter one to her chapter 10. She's been at it a long time. She's made a lot of good moves, but she's made some bad moves. And today she brings us behind the curtain. She talks about building a huge fitness brand like that and her own journey through fitness. And the idea of... You know, we can change physically how we look, but if we don't change how we see ourselves, the physical transformation doesn't really matter. It's a fascinating and insightful chat into one of the biggest names in fitness online at the moment. And I'm super excited to bring it to you. Today's show notes and all the links to Hannah's app, Hannah's website, everything. It's in our regular show notes places, place, which is roadmancycling.com forward slash show notes forward slash 430. I got some crazy feedback on yesterday's podcast. Yesterday's podcast was the worst five pieces of cycling advice that I have ever received. And people were sending in their messages with the bad pieces of cycling advice they've had. And they ranged from pedaling backwards on the sense, plastic bags over saddles and all sorts of other weird and wonderful things. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to yesterday's worst five pieces of cycling advice, it is episode number 429 and it's well worth checking out. Okay, we've put this one off long enough. You're going to love this chat. Please give a warm Roadman welcome and welcome to the Roadman podcast, the beautiful Hannah Eden. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hannah, you've built a veritable fitness empire and I was reading a quote in preparation for this and the quote was Michelangelo. And I'm not sure if this is a true story or fictitious, but I think the moral holds true on it. Uh, he brought in the funders of the Sistine Chapel after he had finished it and they looked at it and they said, you know, it's a marvel, it's genius. And apparently he replied with, well, you wouldn't think it was genius if you seen how much work went into it. What's your mistakes and your lessons building this massive, amazing brand? What mistakes have you learned from? I think there couldn't be a more ideal time than right now to ask me that question. I think at the beginning, you know, you're trying to pursue something. And um, I was very young when I first got into business and very young when I kind of had a platform to have a voice and do something with. 
And I wasn't quite sure of the purpose or the intention behind what I was doing every day. So I just like the saying of throwing spaghetti against the wall and waiting (laughs) for something to stick. That's what we were doing for years. And I think that we did a really good job of it. And at the beginning, you know, just like anything, we, I, I want to go back to that uh, like cyclical idea of like the cycle of entrepreneurship just keeps going up and then it goes down and it goes up and then it goes down. And at the beginning, it's, it was going up. It was so fun. It was new. It was exciting. And then, oh, shit, you're throwing all the spaghetti and now spaghetti's sticking. And that fun then turns into a job. And then it's like, oh, let's throw another piece of spaghetti. So now it's been six or seven years of doing this and, and really like fully immersing ourselves into the online world within the last like three to four years. And I, it's safe to say that there's way too much spaghetti on the wall right now. And this is where I am making a mistake, right? It's like, we're anything that you start is through passion and enjoyment, but anything will become a job if you don't check in with yourself and ask yourself why you're doing it and make yeah. sure that you're bringing it back to the purpose behind what you're doing every day. And that's kind of where I am right now. Um, but I'm ready to burn it all down and to start again because that's the exciting part i had a girl on the podcast last week gabby bernstein i'm not sure if you've come across her she's a new york times best-selling author i think she's like eight time new york times best-selling author which wow. is insane to me yeah but she's a lot further in the journey than me and it sounds like a small bit further than you but she was saying she got to a point where now she only works on what inspires her so anything that doesn't inspire her regardless of how big the number attached to that is she's like no i don't do that work yeah. Fulfillment versus achievement, right? I talk about this a lot. I've talked about it in the past. I mean, I was chasing this achievement lane, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And and you can achieve certain things. And I mean, like the sounds of Gabby, and if it doesn't feel right, I think that's where you have to just like honor yourself and come back and stay grounded and check in and be like, all right, who am I now? Who was I then? Is it aligned? And if not, be willing to let it all go and start again, because it's the process of building that I think that excites me. And, and that keeps us going. The, the hard part about the achievement part is it's normally a third-party standard we're trying to move towards. And I know when I got rid of all my businesses to start again, everyone looked at me like I was insane, like it was such a step backwards. Like there's that Nietzsche quote, and it's, to those who can't hear the music, everybody dancing seems insane. And it, yeah. it, it feels like that, that if somebody doesn't see the motivate they, they can't read into your mind and although you may have achieved what they view as success it it mightn't be fulfilling for you exactly exactly and i think once you get to the idea of the summit right like let's say you have a project that you're launching and once you get there and then you stay there and it feels like it flattens off and that to me isn't what gets me going every day it's this it's the anticipation towards the goal i think that that makes me tick. And so it doesn't mean to stop it. It just means to re re-navigate where that, that path is taking me. You know, it's all just layers and I'm just trying to create as many as we can. So how many, how many years now are you on the journey? Mm. I started Instagram back in 2013. Damn, you were early. Yeah, I was early. Um, did it very differently too, which I don't regret at all. Um, but I opened up the gym. Our first business was in 2015. And then we decided after the gym was doing well, let's try and figure out what an Instagram is doing well. Let's try and figure out a way to do what we do in the gym, but online. And that's where I was like, this experiment of entrepreneurial mindset came in and was like, all right, well, how can we get our programming from the gym out to the people online and have them have this subscription, just like a gym membership. And that happened in 2017. Um, and it was like this on this like recurring payment that you just had to pay to get behind a blog post wall. 
that was the first evolution of like the heft training app which we used to call the daily sweat and then again like that that project that was once fun became serious it's like oh shit this is working we got to make sure that we put a little bit more effort into this and then it became like oh no this system isn't working let's evolve and what's the next step stage of evolution for this whole online training platform so sitting where you are now almost 10 years into the journey like what do you know now that you wish you knew back then oh man what i know now that i wish i knew back then is who i am i i, I think i mentioned it earlier like i started all of this so young and um and when instagram first came around it was very different like now I honor my privacy and my boundaries, whereas before I just kind of put my whole life out there. So not only was I growing up on this personal journey, I was growing up in this personal journey and sharing it with the world, which is authentic to some point. But I think that something got a little confused along the way. And uh, I wish I had known who more of, more of who I am and to not care so much because failure is a good, exciting thing and not to let it hold you back, but really to push you forward. Something which I struggle with, and I had a conversation with a personal trainer, Paul Darmody, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about this. And it's when we're putting out content, and especially I think it's prevalent for him and you in the PT space, less so than me in the cycling space. The PT space is more aesthetic driven than the cycling space which is largely performance driven and you know the best bike riders in the world you could see them walking down the street and you know you might confuse them for rehabilitating drug addicts like they're they're not massively impressive looking athletes but if a guy or girl goes to the gym four or five days a week you know they look that picture of aesthetics when posting messages or when posting pictures on social media it's on the one hand you post a picture and it looks amazing you know you're in incredible shape and you post that picture on social media and it inspires some people but where's that line between inspiring some people and flaunting your level of fitness and i'd compare it to almost you know if i was a say an entrepreneurial coach and my i my thing my whole game was to inspire people to make money me just opening up a briefcase and showing them how loaded I am every day doesn't really make them feel great about themselves. I'm like, hey, look at me. I'm loaded and you're broke as fuck. That doesn't inspire them to take action, really. So how do you find that line and find your own space within being inspirational yet not like demeaning? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so if anyone has trained with me and a lot of people have, weight loss is not a topic of conversation. Aesthetics are not a topic of conversation. We don't do before, maybe back in the day we did, but we've evolved and we've come far since to know that before and after pictures are not where we're at right now. So my personal transformation that I had and I had this personal experience with, which I think is my driving force to be pursue this as purpose as what I do every day is that I transform my life from being one of those unhealthy, very, very toxic lifestyle, should I say, individuals that had zero self-worth zero self-confidence and massive eating disorders and through fitness i was able to find this side of myself that i didn't know existed and that's my ultimate mission now so when we post the pictures at the beginning of my career it was all for the wrong reasons right i just thought i wanted to grow and achieve and achieve and achieve and it's funny i look back and i hired this like uh, glamour photographer and did like this lingerie <laughs> shoot and i'm on the fucking floor excuse my french i don't know if you're personal or not yeah, go for i'm it. on the floor <laughs> and it's like i'm fitness like what is that that is not fitness and one day i remember waking up and being like this is so not who i am i am the biggest goofball sexy like i'm not going to be all this kind of person like who build a brand that you're proud of build a brand that inspires little girls to know that 
they don't need to look pretty. Like I'm not here to look pretty. And then a lot of the shit that's online of me, I'm far from looking pretty. I have snot coming out my nose. I speak publicly about crotch sweat and I try and make <laughs> it this point of like, to me, working out isn't for the aesthetics. The, the, the aesthetics are a byproduct of what happens when you put the work ethic in. But to me, it's about mindset. So any program that we release, there's the working out, but then there's a massive attachment to it, which is mindful practices. We're obsessed with ancient stoic philosophy and believe in mindset and believe in being able to transform ourselves through the belief and the truth that we have in our brain. And we've tried to find this space by not conforming to what the rest of the world are doing, not doing the typical way of doing this before and after and posting my clients before and after pictures because now it's now it's for the wrong reasons. Now I'm trying to show people what I can do to get more business. No, I want to show people a feeling. We ask people to send videos fully clothed this much of their body as a before. Tell me how you feel right now. What is it that you're looking for in this program? Then another one afterwards of their face again, nothing to do with aesthetics. If they want to fill out all of that information, we'll provide it for them, but that's not the focus. And then the transformation and this feeling and, and, and energy within them is, is massive. And then that's where I believe it falls over to the rest of your life, right? Like not the aesthetics, but the mindset. You build the confidence in the gym, you have confidence to do more. You build the strength in the gym, you build the strength to make tougher, harder decisions to deal with life or make a step towards something else in life. So for us, it's not really about the aesthetics as much as we try it and not allow it to be. It's more informing and just making sure people understand that our experience from fitness has, has been drastic for us and want to share that as well. I think that's brilliant because no matter how transformative your your journey with fitness and your body is, if you don't change along the way how you view yourself and your confidence levels improve with that, there's no amount of muscle or there's no speed on a bike or there's no time you can run in a marathon that's going to make you feel better about yourself. You know, it's, you know, it's what's behind a lot of eating disorders. Guys and girls yeah. who are you know, beyond like Auschwitz skinny are looking in the mirror going like, I need to lose weight. And it's like, what? How yeah. can they look in the mirror and think that? Yeah. I even look at pictures now and I, it's important to do it of like when I was extremely thin and I remember like from nights out or whatever, I remember getting ready that night and the feeling I had when I looked in the picture, it's like that I think is enough for me to understand that it is always mindset. Even pictures that I have a it, after fitness and I was competing and, measuring my food and becoming obsessive with macros and doing all these things for performance right which did help my performance but it was also messing with my mindset and and how i my relationship with food and i'm jacked i have probably like eight to ten percent body fat with an eight pack and way too much <laughs> muscle mass and i actually remember feeling like oh my god I'm, i don't know if i want to wear a sports bra today like it's like the disconnect is so crazy to me, which is why I don't weigh food, which is why I don't diet, which is why I don't advise to nutrition. Like I love fitness and I love mindset and empowerment. I'm going to let the professionals stick to their get their lanes too, but I try to take a different approach on things. It's not a one size fits all, right? We've had a massive uh, resurgence over this part of the world, Ireland, UK, of CrossFit in the last few years. And last year I spent a bit of time just to understand that going and participating in crossfit classes for a while and what i noticed it's such an inclusive friendly environment as opposed to the gym i go to at the moment like bro culture is still pretty dominant in the gym how do we break down those barriers because i think the importance of strength training now is it's broadly known that if you want to be in good shape it's not all about calorie restriction you need to have 
an element of strength training, almost regardless of what sport you're in. But there's still such a hurdle for girls getting into the gym because of that intimidating bro culture. And I think it's the same intimidating uh, bro culture across a lot of sports. It's the same that, you know, means that this podcast is predominantly a male audience because cycling is predominantly male because we have these barriers. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, It's an interesting question. Whenever we had a gym, I can't speak for what we need to do, but I think that the there's a so much knowledge out there, right? And in a CrossFit gym, we try to adopt a lot of that, which is community. Everyone's there to help each other, and it's although, it, but it's an interesting space too because although we're saying community and you're like you check your ego and everyone becomes friends and they are here to help each other on a social level, all of that is 100% accurate when it comes to lifting up the bar everyone's egos are barking, you know, and everyone is pushing each other in a different way of friendly competition. But then you do go into a typical global gym and it isn't so social. Or you go into a space where uh, we had a group fitness facility, a boutique fitness facility, and we made it a point to try and adopt that social aspect and put it into our space, but leave the egos for the weightlifting part behind and, and just have strength and empowerment. And it would be so interesting to me how women would come in and say, you know, or men. I've been members at a gym for the last five years and our town is small. Fort Lauderdale is not as big as people think it is. And the fitness industry too is very small. And they're like, man, I've been members at the same gym as that lady and we've ne- I don't even know her name. And in yeah. the first week here, I know more about her now than we had before. I think leading from the front and trying to break that barrier down is one. But I think as far as like confidence to step into a new realm, there's so much information that is accessible for us now that there wasn't before. So now it's like, from the palm of your hand, you have a device that can help you understand how to lift weights. And that's, I think, that's changing massively on the community side and people having a little bit more confidence and, and having more knowledge um, to be able to take steps into maybe the bodybuilding world that they hadn't before. So if I'm sure you like uh, our coaching company, we have clients ranging from professional all the way down to total newbie. But when a newbie comes to you and they're looking to recapture their health recapture their fitness get that sense of vitality back what's the kind of first steps you go through with them i think having an idea of where they want to go right and a lot of the times a lot of people we have this saying that's find your reason a lot of people want to come in and they go there for the aesthetic goals that's everyone's first thought whenever they want to start but that doesn't really last very long and we always try and make sure that people find some form of movement, whether it be with us or not, that they actually enjoy, whether it's a social aspect that brings them into this community or whether it's the actual movement itself that they like. But I think being consistent in anything, you have to enjoy what you're doing and understand why you're doing it. So we have this saying that it's find your reason. And we used to say to people that come into the gym, like, what are three reasons what you're here? What do you want to gain through fitness? And everyone's would change. Some of them were aesthetic goals. Some of them weren't. Um, and I think staying true to the course on that part is massive. Having an understanding of foundation is, and having a strong foundation is really big as well. Uh, we try and make sure that everyone feels included within this space rather than having them feel like a beginner or an intermediate or an advanced. This goes for our actual brick and mortar that we had for five years in Fort Lauderdale, but also online now too. We're trying to provide all three levels into the same space at once. So in our app, we have beginner, intermediate, and advanced on the screen at all times so that no one feels less than. And I think being surrounded by people that are better than you, but also having options to not hurt yourself, builds confidence and makes you feel 
included and like a sense of belonging and that makes you want to come back for more definitely we have within cycling we have a culture it's called group riding so at the weekends people meet up on a saturday or sunday and they go riding but cycling clubs for a long time and well they still do they stratify the groups based on ability okay you're the fast group you're the medium group you're the slow group but the problem is when you tag somebody as a slow group and you put all the slow people together it's like the blind leading the blind. Who who do you learn from? When I started right. out, I got thrown into a big group and I was a total newbie, like first day on the bike. But I'm thrown in there with a guy who's won professional bike races. And he says to me, oh, hey, don't do this. Don't corner like that. You know, this is how much you need to eat. This is when you need to eat. And this is how we learn. And often that is what I felt with those sort of, as you call them, global gyms, that it's it's very segmented and stratified. And there's no one to really look at or uh, unless you're a super confident person to go up to a complete stranger and say, hey, you look like you're quite experienced. Would you mind giving me a couple of pointers? You know, people are generally nice. I'm sure some people will say yes, but it's a difficult exchange to have. It is, it is. And that's why I think that after the pandemic, so much has changed. Some people went back to a gym and some people didn't because they were able to understand from being home and finding this virtual space to train in, is there any need for me to go to a gym and feel uncomfortable and not really know what I'm doing and feel like the, the, the slowest person in the room or the one that's a little shy? Or do I be in my living room where I create the sacred space and I can be a fucking rock star and no one's still watching <laughs> and I can learn more, be more. And then, you know, if there's one day that they want to go to the gym again, then they can and they can go in there with more confidence and more knowledge in what they're doing. So for somebody that's home-based, and I'm just thinking of a couple of friends in mind that are living in, I don't want to say cramped apartments, but property, especially in Ireland at the moment, rent is very high, as it is in a lot of Western cities. So a lot of people are living in one, two-bedroom apartments, don't have huge amount of space for bringing in squat racks, bench press. How little equipment can you get away with for effective home workouts? Oh, man. One kettlebell. I'm a massive believer in unconventional tools just because you can do so much with them. But if you had one kettlebell, that'd be great. I mean, our, our training platform, now we have grown and we have space to have a Smith machine and a squat rack and a cable machine, but that's not our prime focus. Our, our, our bread and butter, would you say, as far as training protocol goes or style goes, is it's unconventional. So kettlebells, dumbbells, resistance bands, whatever you have, you can do something with, for sure, even just body weight. And how much of an advocate are you of like total lifestyle change rather than it just being keep doing what you're doing with zoom culture sitting down all day and just do this 60 minute workout or is it a total holistic approach where you're saying okay you need to get back moving uh i'm more of the holistic approach you know and uh i think i've been through both stages and now i'd like to think that i have a blend of both like yes we are sat down and we are entrepreneurs and there is a lot of time for that but having a standing up desk, doing mobility multiple times throughout the day. Um, I'm a massive believer in having slow mornings and a morning routine and kind of trying to make sure that our mind and our body work together because they 100% are connected. Um, Before I used to work my mind and shut the body off or work the body and shut the mind off. And now it's like I'm trying to find that space where you can do both. I wonder when exercise started, do you know? Because it it must be a recent phenomenon because I'm guessing back in roman times they didn't call it exercise they just called it like life and people were just lean yeah yeah because they moved and lifted shit and And it's survival mode i mean look at uh the athletes that come from places like iceland it's like it's 
it's if you want to live in a place like that you got to work I, I'm, I love farm life that's also why we're moving to Texas so we can live on a farm and like have to work to live get your ass up because you got to get up before the sun comes out you got jobs to do just to survive and I I love that there's so much life is too easy now and it's there's so many options to become lazy and it's really easy to become lazy and to stop moving but the socks the moment we stop moving everything starts to go down you know i'm obsessed with the blue zones have you looked into them much i haven't tell me more so the blue zones are areas in the world that have the highest concentration of centurions so people that live beyond 100 years of age so scientists have studied these areas so it's like okinawa in japan sicily uh, off the coast of italy and they're looking for common traits or threads that links these different areas even though they're geographically dispersed around the world so they're looking for lifestyle or behavioral threads that causes people to live longer. And like baseline movement is one of the huge ones. You know, social connection is another one. And But these are like time-tested principles. And I find it funny because we are in this culture of quick fixes, of biohacks, you know, the latest red light therapy. And while some of those are brilliant, you know, there's great companies out there innovating. They're not a replacement for like fucking moving and... right like the way we're meant to live yeah and i uh and this isn't to knock on it at all i'm sure there's so many benefits but i just can't quite wrap my head around the whole uh marketing approach of uh lose 20 pounds and don't exercise like that doesn't sound like that should be something anyone should be excited about or these machines that will get attached to your body so they stimulate your muscles yeah. without you having to move it's <laughs> like i'm so confused on what direction we're going in you know and Back to what you were saying about the blue zones. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ross Edgley. I'm, I'm, are no. You? No. What, what's the um, name? I'm going to write that one down. Ross Edgley. No, Ross Edgley. I'm going to check it out. Oh, he's great. He's a great guy. He's a Gymshark athlete and an absolute stoic, a living day stoic. And he um, is massively into, he wrote a book called The Art of Resilience in the World's Fittest Book. And in the World, World's Fittest Book, he talks about how he went to Loughborough university to learn about what fitness was and how to be healthy and all these steps that we have to follow and all these the nutrition intake that we have to have and all these like very strict protocol right that we've got to follow and to be the fittest that we can be and he took a year to go travel and i'm assuming he was going to places like these blue zones that you're referring to and he went to one um and he met these guys that did ab ab absolutely everything opposite than what the book says they don't drink water. They drink moonshine that they get from the trees <laughs> that lives in their plant. They don't eat vegetables. They only eat the cattle that they, they brand. And they are outside all year round. And he said they are the fittest motherfuckers that he's ever met. Most resilient people that he's ever met. And he wanted to know why. What are they doing? To him, that was the fittest by branding these balls and staying outside and working for 10 to 15 hours a day. And then every night sitting by the fire getting drunk and then waking up and doing it again. And he's like, how are they doing this? And he wanted to get inside of their brains. And he understood that they stopped counting their age. That was one thing, which I think is fascinating to That's me. That's brilliant. Because, oh, I want to do that now. Right? <laughs> and then you hear people now. I hear it all the time. I'm sure you get it too. Like, oh, I'm too old for that. Yeah. You give yourself no opportunity to even try because your brain's already told you that you're done there. So the idea of not knowing how old you are is really fascinating to me and probably will help us all live a lot longer. A lot longer. Well, Without the fear aspect involved. There was this fascinating Harvard study I was reading recently, and they took a group, it was quite a, a complex study, they took a group of 50 individuals, male and female, over the age of 70, and they 
custom built this huge warehouse and they transported them back to when they were in their 20s essentially so they recreated the shops the music like all the props were as if they were in their 20s and then they prompted them to play games as if they were in their 20s they prompted them to sing and drink as if they were in their 20s to party to hook up as if they were in their 20s and along the experiment they measured like the blood markers and you know our, our key indicators of aging and they actually found that like actual blood markers and key performance indicators that indicate how old we are reversed and they started to slow wow. down yeah so it shows you that link between body and mind and how powerful yeah. it is absolutely absolutely hannah thank you so much for chatting and giving up your time i know you're super busy so just let me interject and tell everybody where to go to to check out all your resources which are highly worth checking out hannah is over on instagram and over on instagram her handle is you you know it's the regular instagram.com and then it's hannah eden underscore fitness her website is hannahedenfitness.com and I'm going to link that all up in today's show notes, which is just roadmancycling.com forward slash show notes forward slash 430. Hannah, you're absolutely brilliant. I could listen to you talking all day. Thank you for joining me on the Roadman podcast. Roadman, thank you for listening to today's episode of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm asked all the time how listeners can support the podcast. Well, there's a number of ways you can support the podcast. As I mentioned at the outset, Patreon is an easy way to support it. But if you don't feel like subscribing on Patreon or you can't afford to subscribe on Patreon, a really easy way to support the podcast is simply sharing it with a friend. Take the episode link and sharing it into WhatsApp groups, into club Facebook groups, and just helping to spread the roadman word you can follow me and you can find me over on instagram our handle on instagram it's roadman.cycling or we have a new tiktok account where we're taking extracts from the podcast and posting them over there on roadman cycling podcast is the handle there really for all things roadman cycling the mission control is our main website which is newly launched and that's on roadmancycling.com you can also leave us a review on apple podcast they make such a huge difference or if you're not on apple you can leave the review anywhere where you listen to the podcast Roadmen, have a great day and ride safe.